Alan, come on up here. I'm going to introduce to you Alan Parsons, who is going to be sharing with us today. And part of Community Life Weekend is that we hear from somebody in our community and uh, hear some of their stories. And we've heard a couple of them recently when uh, Mondo over there shared, which was really awesome. And um, oh yeah, Ricky, when she was up here. And so you'll be hearing more. Uh, but today we're going to hear from Alan Parsons. And Alan... I have known for quite some time, I don't know, over 10 years, maybe 15 even, from back at Lookout Mountain Church. And uh, like I said, he's been in a small group with Peter and Susan, along with his wife, Jennifer, um, for about, oh, 17 years or so. And Alan also leads our children's worship downstairs in the children's ministry in the kids' zone and just does an amazing job with the kids down there. And gosh, what else do you do? You've been involved in Young Life. You've done missions overseas. What else? Uh... I work on pumps and he's seals. An, Isn't that exciting? He's an engineer. <laughs> an engineer with a heart. Imagine that. Okay. <laughs> Hard to imagine. <laughs> anyway, but um, I'm very excited that Alan's sharing with us today. So let's pray with, as I uh, pray for him. Father, uh, thank you for Alan and, and his wife, Jennifer, and his kids, Colin and Taryn, and, and um, just for their whole family. I just, whenever I see Alan or Jennifer, I just, I think they both have such servant's hearts to want to serve you and love you and make your love known to those around them and especially to those who don't know you. And uh, so I pray for Alan today as he shares what you have laid on his heart and the things that you have used in his own story to bring a message today. And Lord, I I know when I hear a different person, there's always different things that um, I just, that something sticks out, something resonates, something perks my ears or... um, is just something that gets me thinking. Well, Lord, that's usually your spirit. And so I pray that as we each hear Alan and we each bring our own stories into it, that you would let us pay attention to that little voice inside that is speaking to us. And so we ask for anointing and blessing on his words and that his message is your message this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Mashkenada by Sergio Mendez. I heard that song for the first time when I was four years old. I was standing in the lift line at the Breckenridge ski area, and uh, I loved it. it. It was the coolest thing I had ever heard, and it has haunted me ever since. Uh, I heard it a couple of times over some intervening years. It wasn't a horribly popular song, but uh, finally, with the event of Napster, I found it again. I love that song. I love those Latin rhythms. 
I love the instrumental hooks. I love the timbre of the singer's voice. Of course, it's in Portuguese, so I have no idea what they're talking about, except that I think Mashkenada means more than nothing because it's fairly close to Spanish there. Um, that song just gets under my skin and it makes me want to move. There's some other songs that do that to me. Party of One by Tim Weisberg. Uh, Steely Dan's Do It Again, Just About Anything by Boston. Uh, Corazon Espinado by Santana. There's this Bolivian folk song called Sueños that just make... I went to see an Alison Moyet concert about 10, 15, 20 years ago. She's sort of this electronic pop blues singer with this really low resonant voice. But this one song she sang, I'd never heard her sing it before, was totally in French and it was this really slow ballad to a really simple piano accompaniment. It was fantastic. Again, she could have, it, it was all in French, I couldn't understand a word of it. She could have been singing about pulling ticks off her dog. I don't know. But by the end of this song, I was just crying. It was so beautiful. And there's some songs out there that just have it. They make you want to move. Gotta dance. The thing about music is that I think it bypasses all your brain filters and goes right down to your emotions. When Alison Moyet was singing in French, there's no way I could be analyzing the lyrical structure or following the story of her song. It was the music itself that was penetrating right through my socially acceptable intellectual brain filters and going right down to my heart, right down to where beauty could be experienced without having to explain why. Um, I mentioned Tim Weisberg earlier, he plays the flute. There's obviously no vocals to, uh, to, 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 to listen to with that, but some of his tunes can move me to these unbelievable places. Happy places, I don't know, whatever. Um, but I don't have to think about the music. I don't have to analyze it. I don't have to explain it. I just have to surrender to it. And it can change my mindset and soothe my soul and awaken my spirit. And when it gets that good, I gotta move. I don't know if you were watching these two over here in the songs, but oh yeah, they got it. Now, I'm not particularly graceful. I'm an engineer. And usually when I start to dance, people come running out and try and put rags between my teeth. <laughs> Actually, that can be a, a really great weapon if you've got kids. It's like, look, if you don't start behaving, I am gonna dance with you tomorrow morning right up to the front door of your school. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, uh, um, there's times in my basement office, I'll turn the lights down, crank up a little Santana or a little uh, Steely Dan or Out of the Gray, and I'll start bopping and weaving around my office. Now remember, there's a big difference between the socially acceptable, controlled style of dance that you're supposed to do in public and what you really want to do when the music gets to your soul. This is where you live, right here, you live right here, okay, this is home, none of this, I don't want to see none of that.
Yeah, from Hitch, right? The problem is, as I get older, those songs that really get under my skin are harder and harder to find. I think I'm harder. I'm, I'm just more cynical. And it's harder to find time. I get busy cleaning my garage, catching up in the office, mowing the lawn, reading, putting dishes away, doing stuff with my kids who, you know, would just die when dad starts to move. If I was an Old Testament Jew, I'd probably be out debating the law with my intellectual compatriots on the weekends. I'd be complaining about the manna and the quail. I'd be repairing the roof. I'd be shoveling locusts out of the yard. I'd be cleaning my garage. The Old Testament Jews, too, could probably get easily caught up in the day-to-day -day activities and forget about remembering God's goodness and singing and dancing about it and surrendering. So much so that God commanded them to celebrate. Jewish feasts and festivals are all tied to remembering something that God has done. So about seven times a year, the Jews celebrated. They partied it up, remembering what God had done, singing, dancing, hopefully surrendering to the music. Turn off the intellect for a while. Forget the to-do list. Don't worry quite so much about the harvest. Don't get involved with debates about the law. Just let the music move you. Well, we don't have those prescribed times just to let go anymore, to remember how good God is and surrender. Of course, Thanksgiving can get a little exciting when Uncle Bill starts to loosen up to Michael Jackson, but uh, that's more the exception than the rule. So what I'm proposing is dance as a spiritual discipline. Like the classics described in Richard Foster's book, uh, The Celebration of Discipline, fasting, prayer, Bible study, meditation, simplicity, solitude, confession, let's add dance. I've been friends with Peter for about 40 years and listening to his biblical expositions for about 12. And I love listening to Peter. His sermons are cleverly crafted. They're intellectually challenging. They're biblically profound. And yet, when you get through all the exegetical teaching and the biblical analysis, the whole thing boils down to two points. God is bigger than you could ever imagine. And God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And I'd encourage you to review some of his old sermons when he was exploring this idea about God being the music and surrendering to the music and becoming part of the dance. Every week when we hear the gospel, we're reminded that God loves us more than we can ever imagine. His grace is sufficient to cover our sins and that we're forgiven. That's usually where I get stuck because forgiveness is hard. It's, it's, it's hard. We like rules. We really like rules. Right, wrong, guilty, innocent. Uh, especially here in the Western United States, where we're all about being personally responsible, taking ownership for what you do, manifest destiny and, and, and rugged individualism and all that stuff, we have a hard time with forgiveness. If we're caught breaking the rules, we actually look to the ensuing penalty. We know that if we do this, we'll get that. If we sin, we want the penance because that way we can feel like we've paid our price. Rules, 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 be fair. Get this, do that. Guilty or innocent or forgiven, God provides that third way. And while forgiving is against our human nature, being forgiven is even harder. 
When you forgive, that's up to you. That's your choice. You have the upper hand. You have the power. You get to make the choice to forgive somebody. But when you're the sinner, it's up to the other party to grant grace and to forgive. You don't have any say in that. And you can't refuse it. And the other party is taking away your opportunity to earn your way back into their favor. You need to find a way to surrender to that grace and give up your desire to earn your way back into their favor. Now that's not only admitting that you're wrong, but that's admitting that you are hopeless without their forgiveness, that it's totally up to the other person. Now if your wrongs are as great as breaking God's rules, you are really hopeless and lost without his grace. How do you accept that forgiveness and give up trying to earn back God's favor? How do you surrender to the grace when it's so against our nature to do that? Well, God's grace is often like music. It's beautiful, but it's totally unexplainable. It can penetrate through your intellectual filters and move directly to your soul where it can set you free, free from your guilt and your fear and your lostness. A lot of times on these last weekends of the month when we hear for, uh, from people within our fellowship They're talking about being broken and hurt and grappling with God or grappling with the pain that he may allow or grappling with his grace in the face of our failures. Forgiveness and grace are really hard to surrender to. And yet we need to learn to accept forgiveness and enjoy the freedom it leads to. Getting out of the darkness is tough. Even if God has forgiven you, the joy of being free from that burden seems to be particularly difficult to move into. Enter the spiritual discipline of music, dance, celebration. You don't feel joyful? Go celebrate. Feeling captured by failure? Forget the analysis. Remember God's unimaginable love for you. Surrender to the music and dance. Go through the motions and give the light a place to shine. It's the old fake it till you make it adage. There have been numerous scientific studies that show that the happiness chemicals in the brain are directly linked to your smile muscles. So when your brain gets happy chemicals going, you smile. The thing is, it's not a one-way connection. It goes both ways. If you contort your face into a smile, it will start releasing the happiness chemicals in your brain. Going through the motions can cause the change that we're looking for, and that's the definition of a spiritual discipline. John 10.10, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. Abundantly, abundante, baby, abundantly. You are forgiven. There's no condemnation in Christ. Eternal life, freedom to be free, to be who God made you to be and not some projection of other people's expectations, free from shame and fear, free to leave the judging to God, free to be loved and to be forgiven, free to be God's child and surrender to the love of the Father. Abundante! Life abundant. Now, if you could surrender to that, it'd almost be enough to make you dance, wouldn't it? And it's the other way around. Dance and celebrate and surrender, and the joy of being forgiven might just start to bubble up through that. The ability to surrender to God's grace may just sneak in. 
God uses music and dance to get ourselves over ourselves. He commands it, and Peter read some of these as he started. Psalm 149, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. Psalm 150, praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flute. Jeremiah 31, the maidens will dance and be glad. Young men, and old as well, (laughs) yay. And of course, there's the granddaddy of them all about celebrative dance. Kids, are you listening to this? Where's my grade schoolers? Raise your hand, please. Thank you. Kiki, you know this one. Isa, you probably know this story better than I do. Second Samuel, wearing a linen ephod. Well, okay, I looked this up. An ephod is kind of like a, an apron, kind of like a sheath that goes up the front and over and down the back, and you'd wear it over your robes, and then you'd have your big jeweled breastplate in front of it. But anyway, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Not doing this. Oh, no. He was, he was all over it. While all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, or however you say it, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And we saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. We'll find out why in a minute. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, Oh, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Really? Okay, now, I went through a bunch of translations, and a lot of times this gets translated out, but this could mean that David was out dancing hard enough that his clothes fell off. Or it could be that he was dancing hard enough that he got really hot and he had to like shed the robes that were underneath this, this ephod, which of course <clears throat> wasn't going to hide very much. So he was out there uh, dancing mostly naked. And David said to Michal, it is bef- I was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house who he appointed me over who appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Oh, I'm not going to stop here. Oh, no, no. I am going to go for it. I think God uses the power of music to get you through to the celebration and freedom point without having first to work through all the layers of pain and brokenness and darkness and self-consciousness first. I think that work's important to do, but if we put off surrendering and celebrating till we get it all worked out, we're going to be in a dark place for a very, very long time. But you want to see somebody who can accept forgiveness without analyzing it? You want to see somebody who can surrender and dance without worrying too much about looking like they need medical attention? You want to see somebody who's really close to the heart of God and just accepts it? Over the past 11 years, I've had the pleasure of providing music to this group of people about once a month. Even last week during one of the songs, uh, two of them just spread their arms and started dancing right in front of everybody else. Oddly enough, the last name of the one of those people happened to be Dancer. Want to see that happen? Come worship with the kids. Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child. 
He put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Two verses later, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father. It's not that hard. Watch the kids. Go watch a kid. If you don't have a youngster of your own or some nearby nieces and nephews, you can always come downstairs and worship with us. They're, <laughs> they're really cool people. I love your kids. And see to whom the kingdom of God belongs. And they'll even let you dance with them. The point is, spiritual disciplines are not something that you do naturally. You set yourself a time to exercise this discipline with the expectation that the exercise will bring your heart closer to God. If you're not comfortable with dancing, go ahead, try it anyway. See if you can find the music and the setting that will allow you to put the demands of the world on hold so that you can listen, surrender, and dance. And after a little while, see if you, your heart is more able to celebrate God's unimaginable love. You're forgiven. We hear that all the time. Your sins are not counted against you. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free, and you are free. God who creates the universe, who makes all things new, who rules from the judgment throne above, loves you, forgives you, and longs for you to, sur for you to surrender to his music and join in the dance. Father God, we thank you that despite the fact that you are the creator of all, holding the universe together, that you are right here, right now, in this room. And when we leave this room, Father, you are right there with each one of us individually. You love each one of us individually and forgive us. We pray, Father, that we would learn to surrender to the music, to let you penetrate through all the darkness and sin that we keep hanging on to ourselves to the point where we may live life freely and abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, the word. In Greek, uh, that uh, word is logos. And if you study what that word means, it's rather fascinating. It means reason or logic or principle. Um, the Greeks had this idea that there was this principle behind all things that connected all things together. I think a great translation for the word logos is rhythm. Uh, in the beginning was the rhythm, God's rhythm that binds everything together. Uh, another way to say that would be the song uh, through whom all things uh, were created. And so Alan shared about looking for a song all of his life that he heard in the fourth grade at the lift line at, at Breckenridge Ski Area. But I, I guess I propose this, that really the song Alan was looking for um, was that, the Logos, 
the first sunset that you saw that you thought was beautiful, or maybe the hug of a grandparent, or a great piece of chocolate cake, that, that goodness. As Scripture says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. It's that logos. You are put into this world looking for a song, the song that sung you into existence. And on the night that he was betrayed, the Logos, the song, took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. I guess I'm just submitting to you that this is the song. This is the grace that lies behind all reality. This is the love of God for you. And you've been listening to it all your life. And this morning, he calls you to surrender to it. You know, Jesus really only left us with one discipline. He said, do this in memory of me. Eat my grace. (laughs) Drink my song. Ingest my love into yourself. In Matthew uh, chapter 11, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, and this is what he said. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Another great translation of the word logos is wisdom. And Jesus says wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus is wisdom, and you are his deed. He says, come to my table, drink my cup, eat my bread, ingest my grace, and dance. You become his body. For 2,000 years, theologians have argued over exactly what this means Um, and exactly who can come, who can't come, all those things. And Jesus just said, come, drink, eat. You can't understand the depths of my love for you, but I want you to listen to the song and dance to my music. And so that's what we do every Sunday. And uh, the Lord invites you to come to his table and receive his forgiveness. To receive his forgiveness means that you just admit that you need it, that you need his grace, and that you accept it. So let's do that right now. Let's just pray together and then come to the table and ingest the music, all right? Just pray this prayer with me. You can pray it silently in your heart after me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. That I'm wrapped up in myself and I haven't surrendered to your song that is love. Thank you that your song is so great that it even covers my sin. That it even covers my selfishness that your song conquers me and fills me and forgives me. Thank you for your love, Lord God.
in Jesus' name. And may I become part of your dancing body. Amen. Go for it. I now issue a new commandment. Thou shalt do the dance. go. Dance, celebrate, sing. Today, we actually have a chance to do that. There's a party outside right now. Now, uh, you know how we're talking about letting go and surrendering? I have a rough time getting over myself and getting to the point where I can talk to people I don't know. So that's my first step in surrendering to the dance. Come outside, party with us, party like the God of the universe. The God on the judgment throne has just forgiven you and adopted you into his family as his own kid. Believe the gospel, and we'll see you out there.